0: Save your seat now at com. That's com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 180. Okay, gold diggers, this episode is a game changer for any ambitious lady out there that wants both career success and to start a family. Today, we're going to have a beautiful business boss and mother on the show to tell us all about what she really thinks about the word balance and being a mom and a CEO. Audrey Roloff is a fiery redhead from Portland, Oregon. She shares life, faith and motherhood on her blog, which is odgepodge.com. She's so passionate about motivating women men to always believe in the more that is within them. And she shares exactly what that mission is in today's show. She is also the co-founder of Beating 50%, which is a marriage ministry with her husband, Jeremy. Now, if you have ever heard of Jeremy Roloff, he is a co-star on Little People, Big World, and their wedding was nationally televised. You're going to find out what Audrey really thinks about all of that, reaching over 2 million viewers. Can you guys imagine 2 million people seeing your wedding day? Nope. Since then, they have shared their lives with us on the TV show, along with social media, and through their writings. She recently welcomed a little baby girl, Ember, into her story. And today she's going to talk all about motherhood in business and that they are not mutually exclusive. In this episode, you're going to learn how to know when the time is right for bringing in a family, what to happen if you don't think the time is actually right, the secret to balancing motherhood and CEO and how she might prepare a little differently for the next baby. Now, if you are a mama or dreaming of starting a family, you are ready to hear one heck of a story. I'm so excited to have Audrey on the show. She is one incredible woman. Now, before we dive on in, I want to go through the review of the week. You guys, there are so many amazing reviews. And so I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Today's review comes from Laura Brooks, and it says, I have been missing out. It says, I'm pretty new around here, but have slowly been going through the older podcast And man, have I been missing out. Jenna is inspiring and is a friend you need to give you that pep talk when you need it the most I know I can turn on an episode and when it's over I feel refreshed and energized to take on my goals and dreams So so happy I found this podcast keep on inspiring Jenna Thank you so much Lauren Brooke If you guys have a minute, why don't you just hit pause? and leave a review. I cannot tell you. I know it feels like such a silly act, but if you've been wondering like, hey, Jenna, how can I say thank you for all of this content that you're putting out? That is the best way that you can do that. Now, without
1: further ado, let's talk to my friend, Odge. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Oh, Aud, I'm
0: so excited you're on the show. You are one of my favorite people, not just (laughs) online, but in real life. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. So for people who don't know you, which I can't imagine most people don't know who you are, can you please share who is Audrey Roloff? What is your story? How did you get to where you are today? Because it's honestly such a good story. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, well, so I
2: grew up in Portland, Oregon, I went to business school at Oregon State. So I've kind of stayed in Oregon most of my life. And I was a distance runner. So that was like a big part of just like my character building. And all of that just gives you a little flavor for like what my characters like distance runners kind of have a unique <laughs> that hardwired endurance. So yeah, I got married out of college to my husband and he is, if you watched reality TV, he is the taller twin from Little People Big World. So our wedding was nationally televised and that was a wild (laughs) experience. Something that I would have never imagined in my (laughs) wildest dream. I don't even wanna say dreams, but it was crazy. And so we got married here in Oregon and then we moved to Los Angeles. And my husband was a professional photographer, videographer at the time. So he had a lot of job opportunities down there. And I worked in a corporate sales job, which I can really relate to your story, Jenna, a lot because (laughs) I absolutely hated it. And my hours were 2.30 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon. It was a freaking nightmare. And we lived in West Hollywood and I had to commute to Pasadena. So that in and of itself was a job. So anyways... Horrible, and at the time I had a blog, a lifestyle blog, that I was kind of making money on the side and doing my thing. I've always had a passion for writing, but just never really had like the time or the know how to make it grow into a business. And also, I was nervous to just like step away from the stability of a job, job. So we were in LA for about a year, and that's when Jared and I were just like, "Oh, this city life is not for us. We're very much country people." <laughs> Jeremy grew up on a like a hundred acre farm. And so we wanted to make our way back to Oregon. And it just felt like this perfect time to take the leap of faith and focus on some things that we had in the works while we were in LA, but then really transpired when we moved to Bend, Oregon. And that's when Jeremy and I kind of started scratching our entrepreneurial niche. And we launched our now marriage ministry called Beating 50%. And that's also when I launched a clothing line shop devotionals for my mission with Always More, which is essentially inspiring women to always believe in the more that is within them through Christ. And so those are kind of the two main things that we do right now all the while been filming for little people, big world as well. But we recently segued away from that. So that's been a big shift for us, but we're really excited about just being able to really press into writing and speaking and creating and just devoting all of our efforts to the things that we feel the Lord has called us to, and also raising a family away from the cameras. <laughs> yes.
0: So, I can't even imagine. I mean, yeah. We watch just because we know Jared and Odge. So we're like, okay, what's yeah. going on with our friends? Even though the episodes air like months after Boy. they've happened, um, but can you walk us through like, what was it like when you met Jeremy kind of found out what you were signing up for in a sense and like being taken just from like, a normal girl to somebody kind of thrust into the spotlight? What was that like? Yeah, (laughs) we so we were set up on a
2: blind date. I didn't know anything about the show or Jeremy or anything. We had mutual friends at the time that thought we would be good together and for whatever reason we both decided to go on the blind date both of us almost bailing last minute but we went (laughs) and I like I would not well we're writing a book about this right now um so you can read more about it later but we did not it was not sparks fly on our first date for Jeremy I would say it was a little bit more so that for me I was really interested in him as a human being. He was intriguing, but it wasn't I wasn't in a place in my life where I was like ready for a relationship at that time. So, we we had a 2-year friendship, 3-year long distance relationship, and during our long distance relationship, I sort of was around the cameras but not too much because Jeremy was in school in Santa Barbara and I was in Oregon, so I wasn't as involved really until our wedding. And then that was just like, I got thrust into it. They wanted to film, you know, the dress shopping, the cake tastes, everything leading up to our wedding, including our wedding day. So that was a crazy, crazy process. And for me, like, again, just, you know, something I would have never anticipated or imagined. And I just had to remind myself all along, like, this is a part of the man that I'm marrying's life. And I think in the beginning, I was more, I fought against it a little bit. I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want that. And I don't know if I want to like ruin the intimacy of our wedding day, but just letting the whole world in and what's that going to look like. And it was scary. But in hindsight, like I totally think that the Lord had a purpose in it. And I've really learned to just like respect that part of Jeremy's life and also be so grateful for the opportunity that it's given us in the sense of a platform and really being able to launch our ministries and the things that we are so excited to be doing now. So
0: I love that. And that's just such a good way to sum it up because it's like, I can't imagine any person as they're planning a wedding and, you know, entering (laughs) a new family and this relationship and all of a sudden there are cameramen around you, like, it would be so hard to be natural and to like, not be (laughs) conscious of it. But I recently saw a photo of you putting Ember down for a nap and there was like a camera crew in your room. Have you gotten used to it over the years? Honestly, no.
2: <laughs> you never get used to it. Like, it's just a weird thing, you know? Jeremy always says, We aren't made for the spotlight. And yeah. it's just such an interesting dynamic. And I think, honestly, like, I really respect and admire Jeremy for being so grounded and genuine and just down to earth in who he is as a human being, all the while being raised on this TV show for 15 years of his life, you know? So I think he's done a good job of just like instilling that in me as well. And, but yeah, it's something that you don't really ever get used to, you know, it's just nice. crazy people coming in your house and turning all your books backwards and covering your body <laughs> with tape because there can't be any logos and lights everywhere and camera crewmen And it's just like very invasive, but also again, like I don't want to bash it so much because it has been such a blessing to us. So
0: yeah. yeah. So you're on the show, you get this platform. Now <laughs> it's up to you to decide does this platform go to? When did you kind of start seeing yourself as not just a person, but a brand and a brand that could kind of create this entrepreneurial life? Yeah. Well, so
2: Jeremy and I have always had a passion for relationships. We feel like we had kind of an uncommon love story. And that sort of cultivated our passion in that. And we always knew that we wanted to work together and do something together someday. That was always a dream for us, even when we were dating. And I think when we were living in Los Angeles, we really started to see the opportunity that we had to do that. And the Lord was really nudging us to just take the leap of faith. And so beating 50% was the first thing that we really like took that leap of faith in. I had a lifestyle blog at the time, Odgepodge, Podge, but wasn't really like doing anything super consistent with it. So it was like the first consistent thing that we did together and really started posting consistent content for and building a community around that was mission focused and not so much focused on our faces, but... We wanted to build something that could be that could live beyond us, so that when we die, it's something that continues, and that was different from what we were used to before. Because you know, before that, especially Jeremy, he was so used to his life being what people fall, you know, his life being so intertwined with his business <laughs> or his job. So yeah, that moving to Bend for us was like a really big thing. We met a lot of entrepreneurial people there that really helped us in the launching of Beating 50% and then just building products in a shop around Always More and just all the different things that we dabbled in at that time. That was a huge time of growth for us in business, in our faith, in our marriage and relationship, all of that. We absolutely love Bend. Maybe someday we'll move back. (laughs) But we moved back to be close to babysitters for now. So yeah, I would say, does that kind of answer your question? That was around the time that we sort of shifted gears to being more mission focused and trying to get away from our life being our job if that yeah, makes Yeah and
0: that was that like when we when I <laughs> No I mean that's when we met in person and I think to what is so amazing? I mean, we've we've interviewed people that have been on TV shows and gotten platforms in that sense. And you have to be strategic at some point because yes. that fame and that interest isn't going to last forever unless you give people a reason to stay interested. And mm-hmm. so I feel like it was very smart and not even just strategic. It was you really listening to what you were being called to, but to realize too, like we are more than just what people are seeing. Yes. And we have this opportunity to share that more. let's talk for a minute i cannot wait for your book Uh, it looks amazing and if i know anything about you guys it's going to be so awesome so can you you tell us about how this book came to be and when we can expect to be able to read it yes so we are
2: so excited because we literally yesterday finalized the cover for the book and i cannot wait to reveal it it's awesome And we just handed back in our manuscript edit. So we're done with like the bulk portion of it, which is so, such a relief. So how it all kind of started, you know, I've always had a passion for writing. And even since I was a young girl, I've had journals dating back to when I was eight years old and writing's always been therapeutic for me. And it's always, always, always been a dream for me to write a book someday. I thought that the opportunity to write a book would come much later in life. So... I'm so thankful and excited that it has come now. But yeah, so kind of like I said before, Jeremy and I have been always super passionate about relationships, especially couples in the dating, engagement, newlywed season of life. We feel like we had people in our lives that were really shepherding us and mentoring us during that time and really set us up for success in the early years of our marriage, which I would say we still are in. But, and we wanted to just relay that Because we feel like we were blessed with that. And so we want to bless others with that as well. And also share our struggles and how we failed because we feel like so many people can relate to certain aspects of our story, whether that's long distance or fighting for purity or dealing with relationships outside of the dating relationship, just all of that. And so we wanted to tell our story and we were actually approached by a book agent Around like I think, man, it's been like a year and a half ago now. <laughs> it's like a crazy long process, <laughs> but anyways, so we were approached by an agent who was like in- asked if we were interested in writing a book, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> yes, and so we started talking to him and sort of bounced around some ideas, and par none, the top of the list was just sharing our love story with people. So the book is. Essentially our love story from our first date to I do but it's not so specific to just dating We write it from a marriage perspective So we feel like there's a lot of useful stuff in it for married people as well but we hope that it will Essentially equip readers to pursue an intentional creative and faithful love story So the title of the book is a love letter life date intentionally pursue creatively and love faithfully and so we're just really excited to share a story with everyone. And the reason it's called a love letter life is because when Jeremy and I were dating, we wrote letters to each other because our entire dating relationship was long distance. And Jeremy actually bought a typewriter and would hand type his letters to me, I know. <laughs> so that was just like a fun part of our story. And, Jeremy, especially, but we also just together, we just felt like in order for our love to endure long distance, we had to be creative and creativity was just something that we really pressed into during our dating relationship and even still on into our marriage. And we're just passionate about inspiring other people to do that as well, wherever they're at in their relationships, whether that's, you know, they're single and they're writing their prologue or they're you know, 15 years into the marriage, wherever they're at, just inspiring people to continue to pursue and protect their love story. So we're so, so excited. It comes out April 2nd of 2019. Again, it's a very long process to write a book. (laughs) So we have been writing it really like we committed to it and signed with our publisher and stuff around this time of last year. So the process in totality of like, you know, the book really being born to the book, or the book conceiving to the book being born, I should say, is like about two years. So it's been a crazy long ride. (laughs) No
0: kidding. So while you're going through all of this, you're also expanding your family. So can you share about (laughs) that part of the journey? Because this is one of the reasons why I want you on the show is that knowing you as a friend, but also being able to watch this journey unfold on TV has just been incredible. And I think that for so many people, their world is rocked in ways. And so this is like your personal Mm -hmm. mentoring session for me as we're expecting our (laughs) baby. So what did that look like as you're making these decisions and stuff? And then you find out you're pregnant. What was that like? Yeah. So first of all, this
2: is no surprise now, but Ember was a surprise. (laughs) So we were not really doing anything at the time to create systems and plans for reaching certain goals before having a baby. So we really, our world was rocked and flipped upside down. (laughs) We had just started talking about the potentiality of writing a book at the time when we found out we were pregnant, that's like right around the time when we started talking to our book agent. So we were kind of thrust into like, whoa, now what do we do? And during that time, like from the time we found out we were pregnant, to the time Ember was born, our daughter, who's 10 months old now, we moved from Bend, Oregon, back to our hometown, Portland, to be close to grandparents. We were writing our book pitch and proposal to pitch to publishers. We were filming for Little People, Big World. We were trying to maintain our other ministries and businesses. So we were just kind of like trying to stay afloat. And honestly, we didn't prioritize like making plans at the time to prepare for then when we did have the baby. (laughs) So we were just kind of like thrown into that. And honestly, I wish that we would have done a lot. We would have spent more time just building our team and, and creating systems and automations and things that would have set us up for being able to just really take a true break and and lean on other people and delegate. I mean, you know, Jenna, this is stuff that you talk about all the time. So I heed your advice, but I didn't at the time because we were just kind of like trying to stay buoyant. So yeah, that was a crazy thing, rocked my world. We've never been more busy in our entire lives than the year that we found out we were pregnant and had Ember. So it has been wild.
0: <laughs> I know. It's been so crazy. And I mean, what's so beautiful about the world you're in is you get to take people along for the ride. And so after you had Ember, you went through some struggles and I feel like women don't really talk about them. And to be honest, being able to watch them just kind of helped set expectations for me in being open-minded yeah. to all the things that can happen. So, can you share just a little bit about that transition from Ember being in your belly to Ember being in the real world and what that looked like for you? Yes. So,
2: I actually was like blessed with a very amazing pregnancy. I had a really great labor and delivery. I did not have a good postpartum experience. <laughs> I call it fourth trimester, and I had a very difficult fourth trimester. I got mastitis, which is an infection in your breast five days after Ember was born. I suffered like severe engorgement, fractured my tailbone, just things that are TMI that we maybe don't want to talk about on the podcast. But there was just a lot of physical hardship on my body, but then also adjusting to being a new mom, being exhausted, sleep deprived, and then trying to scramble to keep our other things that we were doing afloat we had actually like 2 weeks before my due date signed on with Zondervan our book publisher so we we did sort of have a little bit of a break in the book process there which I was very thankful for and ember also came 2 weeks late so i think the lord just knew i needed a little extra time to you know just have some me time honestly and rest and spend as much time as possible with Jeremy. But those first few months were really, really hard. And I don't think I was prepared for them. I don't think people talked about the struggles that I had or that my, I may have had enough. And I think I get that because I get that people don't want to scare you. They don't want to talk about the worst stuff that can happen because they want to be encouraging. So I get that. But also, you know, just the reality of it was like, I had no idea what I was in for. Uh, breastfeeding was so difficult for me. I spent like 16 hours of my day for weeks just trying to learn to breastfeed. Ember had issues. I had issues. It was just crazy all the while, like cameras are in our house filming and Us Weekly wants to do a photo shoot in our house a week after Ember's born, and I feel and look horrible. (laughs) So it was just a wild, turbulent time. And I was not about to sugarcoat it and make it seem like I had things together when I absolutely did not. And that's why I chose to share that journey of being a new mom and just the hardships that I had with The television world, but also the social media world, because I feel like that is one of the most relatable things. So many moms go through this and it's just a point of connection. And if I can, by sharing my story, encourage someone or offer, you know, whatever I've learned and and the tips that I've learned to prevent mastitis or those kinds of things, if I can do that to help other people, then I definitely want to step into that. So that is what I chose to do, and I'm so thankful that that is behind me. <laughs> Gosh, those first couple of months are just so hard, and I tell people that are working moms all the time. Just you know, expect to have less than half the time that you have now, because if you have the expectation that like you're going to have this time to do things, and you don't, you're just going to feel like a failure as a mom and a failure as an entrepreneur or a work working woman because you you just can't do it all. And I, one of my biggest piece of advice is, you know, I'm only 10 months into this motherhood journey, but the thing that I would say, I have to remind myself the most is give yourself so freaking much grace because you are going to want to do these. You're going to want to launch new funnels. You're going to want to launch new product. You're going to want to write more books. You're going to want to connect with your community. And then you're going to want to Research how to feed your baby the healthiest food and and the ways to do that. And you're gonna wanna play with her and teach her or him and spend time with your husband as a family. And you're gonna be so torn between those things. And for me, every time I'm spending time with Ember, I'm thinking about what I need to be doing work-wise. Every time I'm working, I'm thinking about what I should be doing with Ember. And it's just (laughs) this constant battle. And I have to just tell myself, Audrey, give yourself grace, like, you're doing the best that you can. And that's all that you can do. So yeah.
0: I mean, honestly, it's so crazy, because even just in sharing your story, it helps to set expectations. And I feel like, you know, everyone makes it look so blissful, like you said, and everyone mm-hmm. posts the the beautiful, whimsical, perfect baby has no spit up on yeah. them. Mom has right. mascara on <laughs> minutes after she delivers. And mm-hmm. I just think that that honesty was so, so inspiring, more inspiring than pretending like it was perfect. And it's so funny too, because I you. feel like the Lord has done a number on my heart through our miscarriages mm-hmm. because back the last two pregnancies we had I was like I want to be right back to work like you know I don't need a full maternity leave and now I'm like so if I want to take all of next year off like what would that look like like how could I still do the podcast and do my courses and like serve an audience while like giving myself that time and space and so Uh, I just think it's so so powerful how you are open about that because i remember those posts from the early days and you know it just helps to show that everyone's journey is different and um, while people might be hiding behind social media emitting a certain image, there's so much happening behind the scenes. What was it like, you know, having Mm. cameras in your face days after you gave birth when you're struggling with all of these giant things and then knowing like the world is going to see this, the world could potentially judge this. What was that like? And you're a ball of hormones, Mm. let's be honest. Yeah,
2: right. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I, it's honestly really hard and we, really struggle with wanting to be Jeremy and I love, I would say like, we're truth speakers, we want to speak our truth. And, and we believe that there is a truth. And we want to share that with people and encourage people through our struggles and our successes. And so we've really tried to try to stay true to that as our platform has grown. But I'll be honest, like, the more your platform grows, and Jenna, I'm sure you can attest to this, the more pushback you get, the more criticism you get, the more nasty direct messages that you get. And I've had to set up so many boundaries for myself just so that I will continue sharing because otherwise I'll just shut down because it's just, it can be very hard when your whole purpose and intent is to encourage people and inspire people, but they take it totally the wrong way or criticize it in a way that's like very hurtful. and. So I just have to like set boundaries for myself. And I also lean heavily on Jeremy to do that as well, because he has thicker skin than me, especially when I was a ball of (laughs) hormones. So, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not going anywhere, no matter how big of a platform or little of a platform I have, I still want to share my story in the most honest, brave way that I know how to and I hope that most people can respect that and be encouraged by it or challenged by it in some way. But there is always going to be those people that, you know, you just want
0: (laughs) to and that's why there's that's why there's the delete and block button (laughs) oh my gosh Uh, how has your drive changed because I mean you were a competitive runner then you went in and kind of started your entrepreneur thing now you're a mom like how has it changed for you in terms of like what you're focused on what you're fired up about how you're like splitting your time what does that look like
2: oh yeah well, splitting time is very difficult. Like I said, I feel like balance is the word balance is so far fetched to me. So if you're a mom, and you're listening to this podcast right now, and you have found the secret to balance, hit me up because <laughs> I don't know, like it is just so hard. And half the time, I just feel like I'm getting by. I feel like the dry thing, you know, being a mom, like, it is so empowering. And in a way, I feel like I am more goal driven, more achievement driven. I have even more desires to do things as a mother and as a wife and as a working woman, all those different things. Like I feel like in a way my desires have grown, but I've also had to learn to hone that back and say no to things. And just really like right now, Jeremy and I are honestly in the process of just kind of going through all the different buckets that we have our hands in and going like, okay, what do we really want to focus on? What do we really want to be known for so that we can really do that thing well? Because I feel like we are kind of in this place where we're trying to do a lot of different things. And honestly, a lot of that was because like when we were doing the show, we were trying to build our lifeboat out of the show, like from the beginning. And so we were like, well, let's do this and let's do this and let's do this. And Jeremy and I are also very much idea people. So we just were like, we're running with all these ideas. And then when most of those ideas sort of took off and we didn't have the infrastructure to make them balanced and and have a team of people to like help us with those things, we were just like, whoa. So right now we're really in the place of just trying to figure out what it looks like to press into what the Lord is really calling us to do. And we feel like first and foremost, that is our ministry with being 50% and the book the book that's coming out in April and just sharing about relationships and, and just being honest with sharing our lives, whether that's motherhood or what it's like to work as husband and wife or what it's like to work while being a mom or all those things. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. I would not say by any means we have it all figured out. <laughs>
0: So yeah. I want to know, you know, when you first said Ember, you didn't necessarily have the support structure that you needed to keep your business running so that you guys could rest. Yeah. What would you do differently when you do this again?
2: I would say definitely, I mean, Jeremy and I, re- like, honest, I'll be honest with you, Jenna, like we are looking to hire people. <laughs> uh, we just, we have one part-time assistant and bless her heart. She is amazing. and does everything that we throw at her. We absolutely love her. Cambria, you rock. And we really leaned on her heavily when we had Ember. But I wish that we would have set up more automations. I wish we would have had more organized systems in place before we had her. And I wish we would have hired on maybe one or two more people to do some things that we really don't need to be doing the nitty gritty stuff. And so I wish we would have done that beforehand. We just We were not wise in that and we were kind of trying to stay afloat with all the other things we were doing, like I said. So that's one thing that I would say, you know, if you are an entrepreneur and you're about to have your first child, like if there's a way for you to bring on help for your team or maybe you can't do that, but you can hire babysitters or like find a nanny or, you know, on the flip side of things, be close to a grandma or whatever, Just finding
0: help because you're going to need it. Yeah. I mean, it takes a village. And I think what is so hard about entrepreneurship, especially to, I mean for so long in our lives, like our businesses are our babies. And like, we are the ones that like conceive the idea and put it out into the world. And we're so emotionally involved and invested in Mm -hmm. every product, every client, every post. And it is really hard to like relinquish control and to know like, how can I afford help when I'm barely paying myself? And I think that so many people Have all of those questions, and then they, you know, life happens and you know they start a family, and it's like, is there even a way to make this work? And so I just think, you know, the way that you share this is just so encouraging because you can survive. It might not be the most beautiful thing you've ever done. Right. uh, But it also just can remind you to like balance is a unicorn and you're never (laughs) gonna figure that out. So what does a day, like a typical day in the life for Audrey, look like while you're balancing all the things right now? What do you kind of go through each day? Well, most of my days are the multitasking.
2: I fall into the be, trying to be a professional multitasker, <laughs> which I actually hate about myself, but is just a truism of life right now. I kind of spend my day doing menial tasks emails, community managing, posting to social media, checking in with our assistant, things like that. Also, Jeremy and I are just like back and forth all day long, just like talking about the stuff that we need to be doing or tweaking or whatever and making decisions, things like that. But I really don't get into the deep work phase until after Ember goes to bed. So we wrote most of our book between 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. because... There was no way to do that during the day. She takes two naps, but they're about an hour and a half each. And it's just not enough time to really get, you know, especially with writing into like a focused working mode. So my days are kind of like, you know, doing the little things throughout the day and taking care of Ember. Jeremy and I also like take turns taking care of her so that I can sometimes leave and go work or Jeremy can leave and go work. And I'm very grateful that we are in a position where we can both be home and take turns trading off doing that. I would not trade that for the world. And I feel like very, very fortunate and do not take that for granted because it's so nice. And like for you, Jenna, having drew there and the fact that you guys can do that, you know, is just like, so amazing because I look at the moms that have their husbands go back to work after four weeks. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I can't imagine you know, not having that support there when you're trying to balance working from home and being a mother. It's just crazy. Women are
0: superhuman. Can we we just say that? Like, seriously, I don't even know how (laughs) people do this. Like, it's I'm proud that our dogs are still alive. Let's be honest. So (laughs) it is just so crazy. How has your guys' marriage changed, especially too, as you're navigating some of these really big projects, it's almost like passing off the torch and stuff. How do you guys still make it a priority mm-hmm. with your relationship, especially because it's something you're so passionate about?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we do, we have a really hard time and I feel like any husband and wife that works together will attest to this, it's hard to turn off work. Even when we're on date nights, we're like, and Jen and I are dreamers, we're always talking about like, the next thing that we want to do. And so it's hard to find the balance of like, okay, when are we just going to not talk about work and just shut off and play, you know, and rest and laugh together. And we have to be super intentional about finding those times and I think one of the big things for us, one of the big like boundaries that we put in place is our phone use. And that's something that Jeremy has been super convicted on and very wise about leading our family in because, I mean, there was in the beginning of launching Beating 50, you know, you're like in hustle mode and we were just like on our phones, in bed, working late at night and, you know, being on your phone all day, you can work in the palm of your hand and... Even though we are working on our phones 90% of the time, it still feels like weird, you know? Like when you and your husband are together and you're constantly just on your phones, it's like, and so we've in this past year just really tried to be, to set boundaries for our phone use. And one of those things that's been super life giving to us is not doing social media on Sundays. So we just like, don't log in, shut off, and, and just try to separate ourselves from work. And that's been amazing for our marriage. And also just like no working in bed, no phones in bed. It's hard, but we just have to set up those boundaries because if we don't, we'll just both of us be workaholics, and we'll never connect on, on a marriage relationship level. And
0: we know that we need that. So I love that. That's exactly um, what we do too. Cause it's, it's yeah. impossible. It's such a blessing to be able to check your email from anywhere in the world. Or when yep. you know, social media is part of your work. Like I don't log into Facebook for fun. Like it's all work. Right. You know? Exactly. And so it is just so yes. interesting because we'll catch ourselves too, where we're both like on the couch looking down at our phones. And we're like, what are we doing?
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's just yeah. So- I mean, I think our phone use is just like one of those things that's yeah, Jared's super, super passionate about that. We talk a little bit about it in our book too. But, you know, it's also damaging like the ability to be creative in your relationship because you're also, you know, looking at all these other people's relationships on social media, even if you are working. I mean, Jenna, I fall into this. I don't know about you, but like I could be working on Facebook or Instagram or whatever for one of our businesses, but see other things. That other people are doing and the travels that they're taking and what they're doing with their baby and be like, well, I want to be doing those things. And then it it actually like I fall into the comparison trap and it robs me of being creative with our own story because I end up just seeing what everyone else is doing. And, you know, so, yeah, it's it's definitely something that I think. Our generation needs to be super intentional about
0: setting boundaries around. Absolutely. I love that. So, what is one thing you wish you would have known before Ember came into this world that you had no idea about? Hmm. Probably well, a million things. <laughs>
2: Man. Oh my gosh. I know. There's so many things like baby related or work related. Life
0: related, work related, baby related, whatever it is. Like what, what do you want to tell me that you're like, God. Oh, she has no idea. This is about to go down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like, again, it just kind of goes back to like give the giving yourself grace thing. I think two, one thing that I've been really trying to figure out lately is distinguishing between my, I don't know if you've heard this before. It's like a common phrase, but distinguishing between your strongest desires and your deepest desires. I feel like a lot of times my strongest desires overcome my deepest desires because, you know, my strongest desire might be to check things off my to-do list and, you know, do this, that, or the other. But my deepest desire might be to make time and space in my life to go for a run or, You know, play with Ember and laugh on the lawn, you know. And I think a lot of times our strongest desires can overcome our deepest desires because we haven't really laid out what those deepest desires are and been intentional about prioritizing them and making space for them. And so I don't know, that's been like something that I've been really trying to press into lately is just like, what are my deepest desires? And then what strongest desires am I so tempted to fall prey to? Like, where am I? constantly letting those strongest desires overcome the deepest desire. So that's one thing I would say. And also too, just like, I'm constantly reminding myself, like, raising children is not a distraction for more important work. It's the most important work. And I just need to be reminding myself of that all the time, because I'm such a go getter personality. And I want I love working and I love goal setting and dreaming big and all those things. But more than that, I love being a mother. And I want Ember to see, I want her to see me balancing work ethic and rest. And I want to be able to model that for her. And for her to think that me raising her is a privilege and a blessing, not a burden, because I'm supposed to be working on these other things or, you know, so I don't know, just write lots of reminders on your bathroom (laughs) (laughs) mirror.
0: I love that. (laughs) <laughs> what was it like the moment you met her, like, did you feel immediately connected? Did it take you a little uh, time? Like, what is that moment like? I
2: did. And I know a lot of people don't. And I, you know, like, I have grace for that. Like, I know it can be so hard for some people. And I was actually warned about that. And I'm thankful that I was but I, I did the moment she was born. Like labor and delivery was such an amazing experience for me. I loved it. I know I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I just like loved it. It was so empowering. It was such a unifying thing for Jeremy and I in our marriage. and I respect all different types of people's birth stories. However you bring a human into the world is amazing and beautiful and a miracle. For me, I chose to have like the lowest intervention birth as possible. and I just loved being able to, Labor with Jeremy and be so reliant on him because I didn't have other things supporting me medication wise or whatever it might be. And so it just was such a unifying thing for us. And I felt like he was such a part of the process of bringing Ember into the world. Again, like I realized that like some people that just it can't work for them. And like I totally understand and get that. So I'm not trying to like project this on anyone. But it was such a beautiful moment for us. And I did just feel that connection right away. And then I would say like five days later, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like this is so hard. And there are times where you just want to like, Oh, walk away, (laughs) you know, just like, because it's just, you're sleep deprived, you're exhausted. You're all the things. And Oh my goodness. It's just so trying and refining but also in the best way of
0: that. I remember so. when my brother and his wife had their first kid, I went and stayed with him and it was like 10 days into him being born. And I remember sitting in bed with my sister-in-law and she like was struggling to breastfeed and like, she was so sore. She couldn't go down the stairs and all these things. And she was like, don't ever do this. And then it's like, you know, where you're like, oh my gosh, did we just make the biggest mistake? Like, how does everyone make it seem so blissful? And now they're having their third baby and they are so thankful. Oh, yeah. But it is just funny because it's (laughs) like, man, like your world is rocked in so many ways. And it's just, I'm like so interested to see what our experience will be. And like, will it be immediate? Will it take Mm -hmm. a while? We're not finding out what we're having. So will that be weird? Like, I don't know. There's just so many questions. That's so exciting, Jenna. Oh, good for you <laughs> so, for doing that. That's amazing. That I know. That. I think it's a girl, but then I'm like, I need to mentally prepare if it's a boy because I don't want to be like shocked and be like, wait, I was picturing like ballet and now I have to picture football. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on a lot of the mental, yeah. <laughs> mental work. So odd. Work. Yes. Oh, connect totally. with you, find you, follow you and get excited for your book. Give us all the places to do that.
2: Yes. So our book is coming out April 2nd. It's called A Love Letter Life. So get ready. We're revealing our cover. Yes. I think by the time this podcast episode airs, it will be revealed. So hopefully you guys will know about it. But you can find me, Audrey Roloff, on all the socials. Our marriage ministry, my husband and I's marriage ministry, is called Beating 50 on Instagram and Beating 50% online and on Facebook. And then Always More is also my shop and mission to inspire women to believe in the more that is within them. And my blog is odgepodge.com. Um, and it's been a little <laughs> dormant lately due to having a baby and writing a book. have got so a few things going on. Grace there, but you know. Yeah. Thank you. So, <laughs> so those are all oh. the things. That- yes jenna thank you so much for having me i'm so 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 honored to be on the podcast and excited for you to have your baby Uh, i know i think we we need to hang out in hawaii
0: and have a reunion And ember can teach our baby everything oh it's gonna happen (laughs) 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 yes i can't wait There you have it. Isn't Audrey awesome? I'm just so excited that she gave us her time and her honesty. And it has been just such a journey to watch your lives unfold on TV, which we didn't honestly do until after we met them in real life. And let me tell you, Audrey and Jeremy are exactly as they are in real life as they are on TV. And I don't know how they do it. I really loved how Audrey has shared just some of the harder parts of being a mom. I know as I prepare for my journey, there are so many unanswered questions, so many hopes and dreams, and I just really want to do the best I can at setting myself up for success and understanding that balance doesn't really exist. Audrey is an amazing businesswoman. But beyond that, she is just such an inspiration to so many people out there. And I have loved being able to watch her parenting journey unfold the good, the bad and the ugly. I am so excited to see what comes next for these roll offs. And I hope that you guys take a second to go encourage Audrey and just say thank you for showing up for today's show. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging